Hey, Warriors. Welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys had a great week. Uh, mine, of course, was a good time being sick since Thursday. So if I cough a lot or if I sound like I'm congested, I still kind of am. I'm actually feeling better today, but it's with a better feeling than I have been feeling for the past few days. So anyway, uh, you know, that's the one thing that's been a little bit rough, you know, because, man, it feels like it was the flu and it's not fun. Um, things that you could pray for me right now is that we are considering to see if maybe we could find a place to rent up in Hillsboro right now. Um, because it seems like we may be able, if it's especially if it's for our job, since we want a church plant up there, we may be able to break this lease to be able to move there. We can find something. So if the door opens up and this is what God wants us to do, we'll do it. But if not, you know, we can wait until we have to. Know God's making a plan right now for us being here, and just you know, we just gotta stick to it. But sometimes, you know, you just gotta ask. You put out prayers. You just see what God does. Also, you know, I'm still I had to get another piece for the camera thing. I didn't realize it didn't come with an actual connector, so I wasn't able to use the new mic setup I have for wireless, so that I could see if I could maybe do videos of myself um, preaching. So that's something I'm waiting for as well. So anyway, you know, guys, we've been talking about, well, actually, let me phrase this, you know, I'm also trying standing up and talking into the mic instead of sitting down. So that way you don't have to worry about hearing the chair, chair creak, because I didn't realize how loud the chair can creak while I'm recording. So bear with me if the sound sounds a little off, it might be because I still have to get used to being able to stand and talk um, this way instead of sitting in my chair. Anyway, so we've been talking about changing minds. Um, we've had uh, different conversations, and today is kind of a mixture of two, but they're connected. So that's why I'm titling it, Let the Spirit Move Us to Oneness. Um, there, the One of the things that's going on today, or in, in our culture, one of the battles that we have to deal with, is what do people mean? And I've kind of made mention of this. So... A lot of times you hear people just say, you know, just let the spirit move, just let the spirit move. Just let the... There is a truth about that, but there's also a different definition that people use that with. And the connection that we have is, is one, the emergent church movement from the 2000s, even though they've existed even before but specifically in the 2000s. And then also the new age emphasis that has come in throughout the years, the decades. Because we know in, 19, in the 1970s and even late 60s, there was that movement about the Jesus movement type feel. And we know that a lot of cults came from them. We know that different groups came from that. And we know that even today, there's still churches that still linger in that culture, in that, in that world. So we need to be careful in understanding that there is a reason for why it's like, why it's important to me to share this with you guys, because that, that influence from back then, the influence of the emerged church today or not too long ago, and then even the progressive movement going on right now, <clears throat> that is, that's a pool on us and our theology and our and how we see things, how our mind perceives the truth. So 
a lot of people love you know Bethel music they love Hillsong music they love Elevation music they love you know stuff like that but if you actually listen you can hear some of that ideology being placed into the wordages of the music now I'm a big um, advocate for re reforming not reforming redeeming music that's the word redeeming music so even though the intention of someone might be for whatever agenda they're doing, you got to understand, you got to make sure the theology behind it is being more truthful. Now, I will say that there is some points of scripture that could support kind of the idea of view that they're doing, but the problem is the theology that they stand with. <clears throat> so sorry. Still battling it. So if you any if you guys have ever done a little bit of research on Bethel, there's a few things that stand out that shouldn't that if you don't understand the the occult or the new age or um, any of the, that type of spiritual side of things, like even connected to Native Americanism like the, the, the spiritualism that was in there. Um, Bethel has several things. One, if you look at their logo, it is a white stag. White stag is very connected to the Native American spiritualism. Um, it's a, a dream state. So that is something, you know, if you want to do research, go for it. Secondly, uh, one of the things they they are they have new age overtones in a lot of even their preaching, especially during worship and prayer. Um, they they have, they are involved in angel card. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, tarot cards of some sort, where they actually go to places that where people do tarot cards and that type of new age stuff like all that crystals like all that they also do what's called uh, grave soaking which is supposedly laying on graves and soaking the energy from people gain spiritual knowledge so uh, this kind of push exists <coughs> they're also uh, they believe in raising people from the dead. Suppose they have documentations of doing that, though the, there's no evidence, 100%. Two, because of that, they're also connected to this other spiritual uh, Christian, supposed group that believes in that too, which is where they get some of their teaching from. So be mindful of that. That's not only in Bethel. That is seeping into the other churches, seeping into other communities, and, and you'll find it everywhere. But that's not the main concern mostly about this, but it's for you to have an awareness or uh, start making sure your mind is paying attention. I'm finding some people have basically said, I don't pay attention. I just, you know, I want to follow Jesus. I want to share the gospel. That's all great and good, but if you don't pay attention, then you don't understand why you're having a hard time reaching certain people or why Christians act a certain way. Because sometimes in that way of thinking, why they think that way is because they're connected to some form of this. And I'm sorry, guys. My throat's really bothering me right now. 
so one of the things, even though we were talking about kind of the spiritual feel that they're trying to create, the other one is the second phrase of my title, which is the oneness. So the oneness for the most part has, has come from the emergent church movement. Because remember, I've told you this before, they don't look at the scriptures as actual scripture, like they actually happened. They look at it as kind of like teachings or ideals to help us have a clarity of who God is so that we get, we get closer to God. And Jesus was the one person who was able to figure it out. And so that's why there's an emphasis or a push for us to be like Jesus. Now, I can't remember if I've told you the story before, but we, my wife and I went to a, we didn't know at the time, but it was an emergent church. And the, the pastor used the word bastard for three pictures of different people. Peter, no, Paul. I think it was Paul, Peter, and Jesus. You see, you know, like I told you, the emergent church doesn't look at Jesus necessarily as the son of God, but as a person who figured it out. Now, they won't say that directly, and a lot of times you have to go a little bit deeper, which is where I learned a lot of this from a book that I used for actually a report I did. It's called Understand Emerging Church Theology from a Former Emergent Insider, but the guy's name is Jeremy Buma, and I put this in the Discord uh, group, but I am going to put a link for it for you guys on the... Age as well um, because it is a good book it does give you some clarity it helps you understand the three or excuse me the four theologians that they stand with I will butcher their names so if you want to know the names I'm going to have it underneath the the I guess you could call it the the titling of the podcast today and I'll put it, and it's also in that book. So if you were to look into that book, you'd find the four names because he talks about all four of them. But the idea is that oneness is another thing. We hear in some songs where they talk a lot about finding oneness with God or being one with you, you know, being one with you, being one with you. And, and the idea behind that imagery, though, is we're not going to be one with God. Okay. We're not going to be like equal with God. We're not going to be at the same plane as God, but we're going to, we need to be one together in Christ, which is a totally different concept. That's why a lot of times in the churches, there is a, a view of the spiritualism that feels right, but it's not the picture of scripture's oneness of understanding. If we were to go to Ephesians 4, first several verses, it says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love. We've used that verse before making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. 
one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. People will take this verse out of contents for this movement. You could see right off the bat that you could feel that perspective is already coming right out at you. Especially the last part. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is all above all and through all and in all. They're trying to they use that statement to mean that you and I will just be one with God. Like we're just going to be one. <clears throat> but <clears throat> the truth is, that's not what this is talking about. There is a purpose for us as Christians. We are of one body because we are going to be the bride of Christ. You need to be clear in your mind and understanding that. So all of us believers will are should be or are one with God in the sense of we are one body as the bride. We need to make sure we understand that image. Okay. We are one church. We are one body. We are of one faith. If the faith is not the same, meaning people are teaching different theology around you, there's something wrong. If it's not matching up to scripture, there's something wrong. If it's, I learned this and this is the theology that I have gained because God made it clear to me versus what the churches said and the early churches done traditionally, something is wrong. And I'm not talking about all the different things they added or how they constructed. I'm talking about the understanding of the scriptures and the church. Okay. Now we're going to go to first Corinthians one. It says in verse 10, now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there is no division among you, and that you be not united with the same understanding and the same conviction. We should be one together with the scriptural understanding. We should be one together how we view things. This is not an essence of oneness with God. This is a, a oneness as a church. So if a church is teaching that one lifestyle is okay or living in sin is okay, as long as Jesus loves you, when scripture says otherwise, is that church one with the church? Are they creating division? I want you guys to think about that. Okay. Now we're going to first Peter three, starting in verse eight. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. But on contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. It means that we have to treat each other with love. We need to be like-minded and we need to be sympathetic. We need to be compassionate and even humble to each other in this not desiring or like promoting evil for evil or insult for insult to try to prove a point or to think that you are right and they're wrong. We need to be careful on this. This is another form of unity 
oneness with God in the sense of spiritual oneness as what's being taught. So you got to understand oneness does not equal unity. <laughs> oneness does not mean we are supposed to be one with God. Oneness means we're supposed to be one together as a church. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything and every aspect of everything, but with the faith and understanding of the gospel message, what Christ did, the origin of sin, the theology of why, why Christ had to die, understanding that the Bible is true, that the stories really did happen. They're not a bunch of stories. They're not just a guide for us. We got to be careful how we understand the scriptures. Interpreting. That's why this is vital for you and I to study. This is why it's vital for us to spend time God's word. This is why it's vital for us to spend 30 minutes a day, if possible, in prayer and worship. Being in the presence of the Lord, seeking out the Holy Spirit's guidance and understanding of what's going on around us, studying the scriptures so that you understand who God is, have a better understanding of what he stands for, principles and moral thinking. We're supposed to be people of integrity. We're supposed to be people who want the truth, not try to fit the culture and be comfortable. This is why the whole concept behind the oneness prospect of us being one with God has made it very open to what we're supposed to be. God has already gave his absolutes. He's already gave us our past, present, and future. We're supposed to live today to honor him, to love him, and to follow him. We're supposed to be coming together in unity as brothers and sisters of Christ. Men, we're supposed to be leading our homes. Men, we're supposed to be men with integrity. <clears throat> we, shouldn't act, we shouldn't act different at home than we do at the church. We shouldn't act different at church than we do at work. You see, that's the issue. Unity is built upon Christ, scriptures, prayer, studying together, challenging each other, growing together. This is why going to church is important. This is why finding a group of men who love God is important. This is why reaching out when you're struggling is important. This is why praying together is important. This is why spending time just being guys with each other is important. Because when we start facing things alone, doing things alone, we start seeing things that aren't necessarily there. We start thinking that God's speaking to us because we don't test it because there's no one else to test it with either. You know, one of my favorite things is talking about certain things and someone saying, well, I don't know because scripture says this. And I go, oh, yeah, you're right. It does say that. So hmm, now I need to backtrack in my thought and make sure that it's appropriate, that it's godly, that it is challenge of the spirits appropriately. See, there, there, there's reason and rhyme to why unity of the church is very important. Why the concept of teaching oneness is not. You can't feel the oneness with God. 
not in the sense that uh, what the this new age concept is trying to teach doesn't mean we don't feel a connection to God doesn't mean that we don't feel connection to the Holy Spirit which we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit more second half but understand this we need to make sure double check and understand that we understand what unity and oneness of the church is supposed to be not by this view that we are supposed to find this essence this, this heavenly plane that we're supposed to be equal to God it's almost sounding like Hinduism so we're going to take a quick break and continue right after this. I'll see you right after. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. I'm so grateful for this like pause I get to have because it allowed me to blow my nose and be able to kind of clear out my throat a little bit. Because it's very annoying when you're feeling sick and you have to do this and you have to record and you don't want to cough and you don't want to interrupt what God's trying to teach. Anyway, so continuing on, now we're going to talk a little bit more because of the spirit move in us concept is you got to ask the question, what do you mean by spirit? Like when you listen to some of the worship songs, you're starting to kind of feel like they're talking about kind of like the colors of the wind concept from Pocahontas. You know, remember if you guys know that when I'm talking about the song that she sings, they kind of treat it like it's something like that. Like it's this essence of like fluidge of spirit going around us. And you need to be really careful because that's not the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is not described as an essence in the air. It's very interesting that we kind of have this ideology that's kind of crossing the line slightly a little bit too much on the ideas of what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing in our life, let alone treat him as an it, treat him as like a spiritual um, guide. Like, and I'm not talking about like scriptural base. I'm talking like Native American base. Cause if you know anything about Native American spiritualism, they have spirit guides <clears throat> and they kind of start treating like Holy Spirit, like it's a spirit guide, not the Holy Spirit, not God. You see, one of the things that um, we could see in scripture a few times is in Acts 2, I believe that's when it happens. Yeah, I think that's 2. We know that the disciples were given the Holy Spirit and there was a wind and then there was flames, right? So the idea of the wind concept is actually not necessarily wrong but when you start to make it feel like it's an essence of feelage like it's, there's just this flow of energy and and goodness and like the spirit filling every like they start making it sound like it's magical or mystical mystical crystal like feel that like because like the other day 
um, the young lady who's going to be helping us with the church and her husband, um, she sent me a picture of this like like music worship event that's going to be going on. It has a list of people, and you see like you know a couple of churches are like yeah, I can understand why it kind of looks like this. Um, but it had the title, had a, a like a beige background, and then it had two hands that two female hands, I should say, that were kind of flowing together to like, they were touch like her one hand, part of her hand was touching the under part of underneath her hand. And it was silhouetted as stars. Now, there's a few things that, you know, you can notice right off the bat. One, the way the, the woman's hands was holding her hand was very sensual. And the second thing is the star feel it's very mystical. You see, this is that new age feel that has getting into the church. This is that Holy Spirit is like a magical ride that you get to experience. And it has a very similar connection to the 1970s with the whole Jesus movement and the feeling of Jesus moving. Let the music flow let the pot flow because you're going to get that nirvana concept of, of Jesus, you know, just go with the flow, man. Just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy life. You know, blah, blah. like that, all of that is actually very interesting because it is the perspective that is being placed on the idea of what the Holy spirit really is. And so now this is the, the wrong view. It's a feeling. It's a spiritual breeze that's that's coming around us with the picture or the, the imagery of spirit. We know that, you know, in scripture, we also see that it's that, that the Holy Spirit's pictured as fire and as a dove. Nothing wrong with that. But we got to be really careful in understanding and, and, and defining what the Holy Spirit really is. Go to Romans 8. That whole chapter is basically about the Holy Spirit. So the first few verses say this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh... Um, God did. He condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh as sin offer as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their mindset set on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. And the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. I remember us talking about this before, but this this is important because all of this is about the Holy Spirit's purpose. Christ died for us, took on sin. He, he, he understood that his flesh body couldn't stay there. So he went back to heaven, but they sent us the Holy Spirit, right? That's why that's important to understand. Holy Spirit <clears throat> dwells in us. Okay. And we know this because there are several verses 
if you were to just simply look up verses about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, there's several verses that I, I specifically notice that clarify something. One, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 2 Corinthians 6, 16, and 2 Timothy 1, 14. Now, always make sure you read the whole chapter so you have a sense of understanding of what, what we're talking about in there. But each one of those explain to us that the Holy Spirit indwells in us, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in us, right? <clears throat> As we continue to understand that, Romans 8 also says later on, verse 12, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. <clears throat> For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit and this is lowercase spirit, that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So you got to understand that we have been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us, it's a, he is in us because his, pers his responsibility is to help us because Christ is not here anymore. And there's other verses that we I've used several times that you can just go look up. You know, you could do a whole study on the Holy Spirit. But he is sent because there's stuff that Jesus wasn't able to teach the disciples altogether that the Holy Spirit was able to do. And still he does it today. Because the Holy Spirit's what helps us understand scripture better as we study. It also may give us warnings when we're about to do something we shouldn't. It reminds us of verses to encourage us. It tells us to pray for somebody. It tells us to, he tells us to give money to somebody. Warns us there's something wrong with this person. Gives us the fruit of the spirit, which are all those fruit that we talked about before. Holy Spirit gives us understanding of something that might be going on around us, but give us clarity in our minds to pay attention, whether it's good or a bad thing. Holy Spirit gives us peace. Holy Spirit is there when we feel like we can't do anything when we feel like we're so low, there's no way out. See, there's a big difference in just a spiritual, spiritual. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit and just the Spirit. You see, one of the things that these churches that have kind of fallen into the new age and emergent feel is you start having those feel good preaching. You start having, like, we don't talk about sin. We don't need to judge. Well, we're not judging. We're telling people about sin that God is judged for. Like he's already judged them, but Jesus has taken the penalty away, and all we have to do is accept that. 
repent and ask forgiveness so that he may um, be our savior. It's, I mean, it's simple enough. But then you and I need to make sure that we're following Christ, that we're walking upright, that we're obeying the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a little bit more. It's not just a feel-good feeling or a spiritual essence. It's not just coming to worship and feeling the Holy Spirit all around us. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's a, a picture, an ideal. It's a feel-good feel. This is why music has such a powerful, a powerful motivation for people. Because if you think about it, when you listen to something inspiring and I mean like if you're watching a movie streaming whatever doesn't music have a factor in how you're feeling I mean have you ever noticed that it's the same thing with worship music if it's not if they're using this I guess you could say technology or understanding that's the same thing that they're doing. That's why you have to be really careful. Are you creating a place for worship or are you trying to create a place of feeling worship? And I'm not talking we need to be doing hymnals only and going back to the old way because if you th want to really get picky, most of those songs were bar songs. I'm not talking about the words, the music. And the reason they use the music is because it was familiar to most people because of the, they were bar music. So you need to understand, it's not the music. It's not the words and, and the essence of just the words. It's how they are being used is how the person who wrote the song was trying to influence the mind. And the only way you could depict the difference is if you're spending time in God's word. If you're around other believers who are wanting to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance in things. You see, this is how influential, how mind-changing this whole concept is. The oneness and the spirit. It's being used right now in front of you. In fact, I'll tell you this, a lot of Bethel music, a lot of Hillsong music, and a lot of Elevation music is very much has this type of influence in it. Does not mean every single one of those songs are wrong, but you need to pay attention. Because they are teaching those type of values. Be mindful. Observe listen study so that you can understand what's being done to you it does not mean every church is horrible that has music that plays music or feels like music that could be like what some of these churches are using it for it also does not mean you need to go back to the hymnal books i love hymnal books but does not mean anything that's not hymnal is evil either because i was brought up taught that if that's not true, one of my one of one of the things that broke me from that was listening to "Mercy Me." I can only imagine, and one other song, "They Homesick." Those are the two songs that I heard on the radio that just changed my mind. That all that teaching was not biblical, was man-made. 
Because when you hear the Holy Spirit move in someone's heart when they're singing, you know, because you want to be aware and you want the Holy Spirit to show you. Many of the songs of Casting Crowns, he, he, he writes those songs with scriptural understanding in his head. One, he's a youth pastor, but two, because he understands that music should be impacting the person, their heart and their mind and the spirit from a biblical perspective. It does not mean all songs are written with such love and devotion towards God. Especially when you start hearing about certain worship leaders who are like, oh, I don't, I'm not a Christian anymore because I don't feel it. I don't feel like me. I don't feel like I'm a Christian anymore. It's because they've lost sight of who Christ was. And, and in some cases, they may have not even known Christ. They knew the music because it felt good. Remember how I told you about the documentary for Hillsong? A lot of people that were there that loved it weren't changing their life. Because they weren't really talking about things as sin. But when things failed for them, they left. They felt like they were cast out. See, that's the big issue. You got to make sure that you are not just taking what you're hearing and you repeating these phrases without understanding. I heard a guy who was sharing how much, you know, he, he, what he was doing in his church. But he said to me, but sometimes you remember, you just got to follow your heart. He said that, and that, you know, that made me, eh. because you don't follow your heart. Your heart is corrupt. It may have the Holy Spirit, but following your heart is a, a connection to the flesh. And what the flesh is trying to get you to see, you need to make sure that the Holy Spirit is guiding your heart. So instead of saying, just follow your heart, seek the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit leading you to do? Is it, is it leading you to do this because that's what he's placed on your heart to do? See, that's why we got to be really careful with words. That's why, you know, the whole spirit versus oneness thing, <clears throat> you need to make sure that that's what they're teaching, that it's unity of the church and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit and not just a feel-good essence of the color of the winds concept from Pocahontas. So that's my challenge for you guys this week. If you like, if you want to read, get that book or read that book, it'd be worth it because it, even though it was written for the 2000s concept and what's going on then, a lot of the stuff you're going to read in there is still, you're going to see that today. It may not be worded the same, but it will still have the same understanding. It'll still have the same picture image that they were trying to create back then today. And there's plenty of other books like what, what people don't realize is that the emergent church movement, even though the, the books will not say I'm an emergent church pastor or I was part of the emergent church movement. They will not say that, but there is a lot of books because they were pumping out lots and lots of books because they knew they needed to change the culture somehow. They knew they had to figure out a way to be able to make this movement happen. And one of the things that, uh, one of the guys actually that's, you know, I've talked, I've quoted his, some of his stuff in the sense of what he has said, 
is uh, McLaren. I, I want to say it's Brian McLaren. But it's been such a long time. But he wrote lots and lots of books himself. I'm pretty sure. And a lot of books that became really famous and were really well known. And people have shared. There's also a lot of other books that I remember. I, I have several books here that you know I got because I wanted to be able to have a better understanding of the battle that's going on right now. And I know there was another one. I think it was like the blue saxophone or something like that. And I remember get being given that by somebody to, to be used to, to, to help me as a youth leader. And the one thing is that was an emergent church movement book. You see, it's so simple because a lot of times what you're going to feel, and I'm going to have a couple articles that are going to pop up throughout this week that you should read, especially the one by the Emerging Church that was written in 2007, but the wordages that were used are actually being used today. Deconstruction. You know, it would be a good, a good little read. But this is why it's very important. You need to study this stuff, not so that you could be sucked into it, it's so that you can have an understanding of what's happening around you. Just because someone calls themselves a Christian does not mean that they're walking the same path you are. They may not even mean they are really a Christian. Because there's a lot of people who think they're a Christian because their mom and dad were a Christian and their grandmother was a Christian. Or they went to church. This is why it's very important for us to start getting our minds right getting ourselves in the right position and, and understanding that there is a purpose that God has given us to share the gospel and the message and understanding of the scriptures, because there's going to be a lot of people who think there are Christians who aren't. And because the church has been sidetracking, thinking that, well, I know, well, Jimmy, you know, was brought up with a Christian family. So, you know, he's been helping us in the church for all these years. So there's no real reason to think that he would not. The problem is he may never actually known who Jesus was the whole time because it all depends on what you're being taught and what you're being given. There's been too many people that I've met who were brought up in a church, but didn't know certain things. Not scary. Now, I'm starting to ramble on a little bit too much, but this is something that's, you know, it's very important to me. This is like these last few like lessons, I guess, there's an importance to me in that because it's a little bit sharing of what I'm seeing and what the concern is. And it does not mean every church is having this problem, but I could tell you this, there may be a few people in your church, even if it is a good church, that could be leaning to a lot of these views. And just because there may not be a lot of people does not mean your church cannot be changed because it has happened over and over again in history. And this is why you need to be alert and on guard and know your, know who you are in, in faith because those people as quiet as they may be could be influencing the right people to make a change in your church. So be mindful of that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask you, bless it. I ask you, just uh, help us to be more aware. Help us to grow. Help us to see you more clearly. I pray that you just bring men here to want to spend time studying and growing. 
because they need to be more aware of what's going on in their church, but also what's more aware going on around them in other churches and what's being influenced to other people. I pray, Lord, that you just help me to keep healing. Um, I ask that you just make things clear, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a blessed week, and I will see you next time. God bless.